0: welcome to my podcast my name is Fumi. I am a multimedia personality a multifaceted creative I combat brush fires then build bridges this is no judgment on this podcast we have a plethora of topics that ranges from love to mental health to spirituality and a little bit of pop culture where it intersects on this show there is a caveat though Your prejudice will not be given the password to log into anybody's nerves. Your opinions are welcome, but your judgment isn't. So welcome to No Judgment. Hello world, welcome. Welcome to the first episode of my podcast. This is fresh. This is exciting. This is inspiring, intriguing and educating. On today's episode, we'll be sharing our personal stories with you with regarding our mental health, our journey to mental wellness. The topic for this episode is called Survivor Stories. Cue Destiny's Child, please. I'm not doing this alone. I have my guest co-host with me. Introduce yourself, please.
1: I'm Big Ma. I'm a music uh, critic, a writer, a PR consultant and a troublemaker.
0: Oh, you finally added the PR to
1: it this
2: time. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Owen, a music enthusiast and I love everything PR.
1: All
0: right, let's get into it. So I'm just going to ask you this, starting with you, Big Ma, what does mental health mean to you?
1: Mental health is your mental situation, where your mind is at, you know, how it is fixed, how it is working for you. That's how I see it. Mental health, is it in a good place? Are you in a good place mentally or are you in a bad place mentally? That's how I view it, mental health.
2: All right, what about you, Owen? I feel like your mental health is where you, like Big Ma said, is where you are mentally. How cognitive is your decision making? How healthy is your mind, I guess, your, your mind, your brain, your head space?
0: Yeah, mental health, I always say this, mental health is the control tower of your entire being. If you're sick, if you have a physical illness, your mental health allows you first. If you have malaria, the first thing to know about that you have malaria is your mental health, True. asides other parts of yourself. So your mental health is actually the control tower of your being. It's where like the information to all the parts of your body goes through, right? Mm-hmm. So your mental health passes information to other parts of your body. So if your your physical health can get sick, definitely your brain can get sick. Yeah. What was the first um inkling that something was off with your mental health,
2: Owen? I lost my dad in 2013 and uh, after the burial, well, it was very weird because basically I just caught the story short. I hadn't seen him for a couple of years. I was walking somewhere not too far from where I was living, which is your house. And he came around and I met him. He, he asked for forgiveness. We spoke, we prayed, and then he left and went home. Two days later, he passed. I didn't feel anything i was okay i was fine yeah. and then there was the burial and the whole family situations you know how it is in yeah. it is in nigeria and then it was only after that i went back home and nothing was going right that i thought oh okay i think i have an issue mentally that was with the first time i first felt weird i felt like the world is crumbling down on myself my relationships crumbled so it was around that time that was the first time i felt okay i understand that my mental health was very very bad and in decline
0: oh wow yeah. well, what what was your experience how did you know something was off
1: okay so mine had to do with man
2: it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a man
1: it was it was a man issue so there was this dude i had you know relations with an entanglement with yeah yes i'm going to use that term entanglement and then things weren't working out well and for some reason i started to go off on him abnormally like it wasn't do i know
0: this person yes you do that's from w yes
1: you do okay i know the (laughs) t yes you do it was so bad that everyone around me saw me going off and i knew something was off something was wrong it wasn't normal for me to act that way yeah and because you know maybe because i've been hanging around Shay for too long and i knew the signs of being bipolar and whatnot Mm -hmm. and i asked myself come are you bipolar could you be bipolar? And I took some tests online, and then I I did schizophrenia. I did like three, four tests. The only one I was hundred percent that I got hundred percent on was the bipolar test. I was like, nah, if I'm really. Is he a guy that turned you to this? Yeah. So I had to call the doctor, Doctor Dayboy. You know him? Yeah. I spoke to him when we spoke for a while. He told me that from what I said, it sounds like I might be go get you know diagnosed and whatnot. So that was how I actually knew it was man that caused it though.
0: It was man. I was fine. <laughs> man wasn't the cause. It was the trigger. It was, it was the trigger to what was already, what was already there. <laughs> Let's talk about our diagnosis. I'll go first on this one. I got diagnosed pretty early, and I was still in the US. But something was always off. I just didn't used to sleep, and I used to have different moods. Let me. I don't like saying mood mood swings. I, I just like calling them mood shifts. But I used to have a severe mood shifts, like moments from when I'm super energetic, I am excited, I, you know I'm happy, then before you know, I'm like, down, whoop. And I'm just there really dull, unenthusiastic and things like that. So I never paid attention to these things, but they just kept on accumulating on until it translated into like physical illness. And my start to take me to the hospital. Because we thought it was like a physical thing. It was like maybe the flu or something that I needed to get proper rest and whatnot. Mm. And I was super young. I think I was like 16, 17. And I was interacting with the doctor because they didn't allow my sister to come in. Right. My sister was she was somewhere, I don't think she was in the reception, she was inside the hospital, but like the doctor wanted to talk to me one on one. One on one, yeah. And in the process of talking, like she asked me some questions about my mental health, like have I been sleeping? How do I respond to certain things? What is my mood like and whatnot? And she was like she ended up saying, I think you should look into it. After that, I just went to get diagnosed, right? And I never told anybody about it. I was like, okay, I already know this is what it is, yeah. and well, I guess I'll deal with it. Because at that point, when I found out, and I started like doing my research, it started sounding like things I used to hear from childhood, like, ah, don't associate with someone from a crazy family. Yeah, didn't want to be wrong, like your would said, I've been I won't worry, mm. like mad people, right? So I just started to feel like okay, is this what my life is about? Like, is this who I am? So I am actually mentally insane. Like, is that my story? So I just kept it to myself. And it didn't actually become a really big issue until I moved to the UK Hmm. and I was by myself. I had family around, but like, I was living by myself. I wasn't necessarily living with family, right? So I had the time to face myself more. Yes. So I started experiencing severe mood swings, difficulty sleeping, high energy. There are moments where I would just wake up in the midnight and start crying. And, you know, like, I wouldn't know the reason why I'm crying. Yeah. Just everything, pain from nowhere, everything just started hurting. And I just didn't understand it. So I went to the GP. The GP referred me, NHS GP referred me to... The NHS psychiatric center, the mental health center, I had to get re-diagnosed again, and what the psychiatrist ended up with was the same same diagnosis that as I had the in, as the US, and even further, the psychiatrist even went further to say because my diagnosis initially was bipolar disorder two, and he said with traits of anxiety and borderline personality disorder, yeah. so and that that actually it made me scared. I'm not going to lie. It did make me scared. And I just accepted the fact that I was just going to be on medication for the rest of my life or Mm -hmm. for as long as it takes. So um, then I went back to my GP and I, I started, you know, getting my medications, you know, because I was there. Yes, I, I'd, I'd been to
2: a few places.
0: <laughs> yeah, with you. so it would follow me to go to the GP to get my medication and I'll go to the pharmacy and all that. But yeah, that was my diagnosis. I want to know how how you got diagnosed and how you actually started to be Ooh. with yourself when well, you found out. Well,
2: I initially, well, in 2013, when I had those feelings, I saw everything in my life kind of downward spiral and I just stuck it out for the next couple of years job after job i was losing my jobs because i was struggling some days some months i would be i'll be cool getting up every morning because i'm getting sleep and then some other times i'm not able to sleep i didn't have any successful relationships during that time things financially i wasn't able to plan to manage and i think it was in 2019 i for like two three months i literally had no little to no sleep so i may be sleeping an hour and a half to two hours at night so i thought let me go to the gp and see if i can get help with sleeping right okay. i only was going to get help to sleep and the gp says hey do you want to do some tests because i feel like blah 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 you mean I don't, I don't feel like you are okay 100 percent. let's do some tests and he did some tests and diagnosed you with severe depression and anxiety and then he gave me some medications to take, and I took them for about two and a half months. And, uh, you know, things slowly became better. But one important thing we have to say is things became better. And I noticed that there was one particular week I noticed I slipped back into that depressed state where I wasn't um, sleeping. I, was, I had my mood swings. I didn't feel like doing anything. I didn't feel like seeing anyone. And but since then, I, I'm not on medication anymore. But um, I've been able to, to you know, proactively do things and be away from situations and people yeah. that are my triggers. I even, to the extent that I mind what I watch on TV, I mind the places I go to, the relationships I keep, the family members I allow around me. You know what I mean? I love my brother, you know, Leighton, I love him. But um, last year he was banned from my house because he was bringing too much drama for me. So those things, practical things that, you know, helped me change, my lifestyle and helped and kept me away from my triggers and then medications i take when i'm feeling really really low i go back and say hey i need some medication now give me for two weeks or give me for three weeks that's how i've been able to manage my own mental health up to date
0: What about you, Wigman?
1: Okay, for me, actually, just like Shay said, the situation I had was my trigger because I feel like I may have been bipolar for a very long time mm. since I was a kid, if I look back at it, because I was always depressed. Mm. You know, thanks to Facebook, I see most of my old posts. Most of my old posts always had me saying, why am I so depressed? Mm. I'm, so, I'm so down today, I'm so depressed. And oh, yeah. when I look back, this is like 2010, 2008. You know, these are years when I didn't even know anything about mental health or anything. I just thought I was depressed. Growing up, I was a lonesome kid. Yes, I was friendly with everyone, but I was always in my own space. I never used to sleep at night. I just thought I had insomnia. Hmm. For me, it was normal. So by the time I went to go get diagnosed, which was early 2018, I think that was January 2018, after I spoke to the doctor, I took myself to the hospital. And even when they were talking to me, when I got there, they kept asking, do you come alone? And I'm like, yeah, are you sure you can answer these questions? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Just go ahead. Let me, you know, find out if this is really what it is. It took like two doctors to actually talk to me. And I'm like, it's not that serious. I know why I'm here. Just let me know already. And then when they finally told me, oh, it's bipolar type 2. I was like, oh, okay, I guessed as much. And they're like, I was very calm about it. I was like, well. In some way, because we were working on Get Naked then, you're, yeah. so in some way, I'd mentally prepared myself for what it could be. Yeah. And maybe thanks to working on Get Naked and whatnot, that already gave me...
0: By the way, all of you and Get Naked is not like nudity. It's a yeah, mental health project. Get your mind's project. out the gutter, yeah? <laughs> Get your minds out It's a gutter. mental health project by myself and no one.
1: Yes. And it really helped me. I wouldn't lie to you. That project actually helped me deal with my own diagnosis when I got it. Because yeah. if I didn't have that in my life at that time, I don't think I'll have known how to deal with it. But for the first two years after I was diagnosed, I was in denial about it. Yeah, I didn't use any meds. The meds they gave me after a month, I stopped using them because I hated the way they made me feel. It mm-hmm. helped me to go complain and make them recalibrate it. Mm-hmm. I hated how sluggish it was making me feel. So I stopped using the meds. I ran away from going back there to continue any kind of help. Mm-hmm. I thought I was fine on my own, but the thing just got worse because after that, another man, Trouble. Apparently, men oh, are my triggers.
2: These men. All oh, these men. <laughs> these men-sies.
1: Yes, Men are my triggers. Another trigger came, and that one actually sent me deep down into depression. And mm-hmm. from there, it just got worse. And that was when I landed in um, rehab.
0: Oh, wow. What's your experience like with mental health stigma?
1: So far, so it's been weird that people haven't treated me differently Mm. about it. I think maybe now people are getting used to, because, I mean, mine was just 2017 to recent times. People are already talking about mental health. People are getting more aware about Mm. it. Mm -hmm. I think the only people that treat me weird right now are my family members. Because after I had my my breakdown and I went to the hospital, when I came back, they all still treat me like an egg. Like yeah. I could break down at any moment, you know, they're very, they're very careful. My mom, that we used to argue before, all of a sudden, no matter what I say, she can't get angry, you know, yeah. she's so calm about it. And I'm like, get angry with me, you know, mm-hmm. be normal mm-hmm. with me. Stop trying to treat me like I'm yeah. breakable, you know. That's the only thing, you know, I get. Yeah,
2: for myself, right. uh, it's it's that as well. My family, they tend to, initially, when I chose my family, my siblings, my mom, my mom was always supportive. My mom, God bless her soul, always supportive. Even times where she didn't understand, she was supportive. Yeah. My siblings, they are supportive now. But initially, they would blame my every reaction. Symptoms. to Yeah, they'll blame. Okay, for instance, they do something that's clearly bad. Yeah. Right? Clearly bad. And when I react, it's my mental health. I'm reacting because I'm crazy in my head. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it was that for a long time. But now... I've been able to educate them from my own research, my studying, from our project, get naked. And they've they're all supportive now. And then back to the thing you say where it's like, can you get angry at me? Yeah. Like say something. Don't be in agreement to whatever it is I say. Like, yeah. give me some fire. I want to feel some energy from you. Don't treat me like an egg. I'm not an egg. I didn't tell you guys. What i was going through because i wanted some pt or anything yeah. i was just letting you know what i was going through so you understand it as well first and foremost and yeah. then you know how to respond to whatever it is i'm giving you know so yeah folks don't treat us like we're ex, yeah, we we're not ex. <laughs> mine was completely different i think because i spoke about
0: my mental health earlier as a 2011 2012 I wrote the infamous article on Bella Niger and I had this picture where I there was literally tears dropping down from my eyes. Yes, I, remember and that. I wrote that article because my flatmate at that time would say certain things that were not nice <laughs> about my mental health and literally would say that I was, you know, lying about my mental health and I was just doing all these things for attention. Mm-hmm. And it really got to me. And I couldn't sleep that night. And I I wrote this long ass article and it was influenced by someone who had reached out to me that was going through something with his mental health. So when I shared that article... I think it was the first time someone from the media industry would openly talk about dealing with a mental health challenge. Yeah. So I, yeah. I kind of like became the poster boy for mental health. So when everyone else saw me, they would just say, oh, he's so fragile. And mm. they'll look at you with pity yeah. and things like that. But I was also dealing with the stigma that people would say, oh, you can't say certain things to him. You know, this is what he's dealing with. Mm. You, know, uh, you know, say... You know, gets, you know, know, gets, and they all, they use use bipolar in in a very annoying
2: way. Way. They
0: say it like very insultive. Mm -hmm. So I did experience a bit of that for a long while until. Mental health became a part of the conversation in Nigeria, right? Yeah, it, it became it became a big conversation, and I'm lucky. I not necessarily lucky, but I am excited. I shared that part of myself earlier because it helped other people. For example, like Awa for who is one of the, she calls herself the voice of mental health because she's really done a lot for mental health in Nigerian women's mental health. And it was my story she was able to read. She read my story first to be able to find something that she could relate to, something that she was going through, that this was her experience. So I had to let that sit with me for a while, even though it wasn't like I had the award for the first Nigerian man (laughs) to talk about, to openly come out about their mental health. I just had to like wear that position even without anyone telling me because a lot of people were reaching out to me. Other people in the industry will send me messages that this is what I'm going through, but they don't want to talk about it publicly. So I'm glad that I was able to learn from those stigmas and not refrain from talking about my mental health. Yes, because
2: that will just push some people back into their shell. If you are not being kind, if you're stigmatizing them, if it feels like they are being judged, it's yeah. going to push people back into their shells because I feel like like people who actually judge and stigmatize and condemn, they themselves do not understand the full importance of speaking your mind and coming out and saying something when you have an issue. That's why they do all those things, you understand, because yeah. yeah. if you as a person understand the importance of people speaking out, you will not judge them, you will not condemn them, you would not. You know, you would not make them feel less off for speaking about their problems.
0: Absolutely. What do you think we lack in our mental health facilities in Nigeria?
2: Where do you want me to start?
1: (laughs) That's a different topic. Where do you want me to start? A different entire topic on it. well
0: just touch on it briefly.
2: Okay. I feel like first of all, there is no community. Okay. Yeah. There's no community. And when I say community, from the grassroots, there's not enough understanding about mental health illnesses and the importance of not shaming people for coming out and speaking. When I say community, I'm talking about our parents, our friends our classmates, the people we socialize with every single day. There's not enough.
1: Sensitization. Sensitization,
2: (laughs) that's it. That's not enough in the communities for people to understand that, you know, this is an issue and we cannot judge people for coming out and saying, hey, this is what I am going through. That's first things first. And then secondly, there's not enough therapists and doctors and Uh, Medication accessibility, even that's not enough. That's all the information that people need to start taking care of themselves is not easily available. Yeah, like you've been lucky, I've been lucky to live in a different country where your mental health and the mental health services is taken more seriously. There's budget allocations for that, there's community events where people come and they speak, and you know, I mean, people understand what how available services are. In this country, i just lead you to nothing like that. If it's not for social media, we will not have anything like the people hearing about mental health. So I'm very unhappy about the state of, uh, even of, even the, with, of things. Even
1: with social media, people still don't understand.
0: You know, I want to know about the facilities because you actually went to rehab here in Lagos. And a lot oh. of people think there are no rehabs in Nigeria there to there begin are with.
1: There's one in but Lagos, there's the one in Apepata. Yeah, I went to the federal one. I went to Yaba, popularly known as Yaba Left, Yaba Neuropsychiatric Hospital. But of course, we all call it Yaba Left for why some do reason.
2: They, why do they call it Yaba Left? I
1: don't know. It's on the left Yaba side insane. of Yaba. Ah, okay, okay.
2: So.
0: But it is actually on the, <laughs> it's left, on the left side okay, okay, of Yaba. you need something derogatory. <laughs> oh, I yeah. get it.
2: Yeah.
1: So even we, when we're in there, we used to call it Yaba Left, you know, but we're allowed to because we graduated yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but being in there actually opened my eyes to a lot. It let me realize that even though we have some of the best nurses and doctors, they don't have enough equipment, they don't have mm. enough facilities, they don't have what it takes to be able to carry out their jobs properly mm. because I saw people actually work, I saw them actually do what they needed to do. I saw doctors that were superb at what they' were doing I saw Therapies that I have, you know, can actually cut through your soul. But the truth is, when the environment where you're working in is not palatable, it's not enjoyable, you'll be able to give your best. That place, the faculty there is just a mess. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about the food because that's another. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I
0: think one of the issues we have, because I was talking about this a couple of days back, is that we're still using the old lunacy ads, the mental health policy from 1992, where if someone attempts suicide, they are to be arrested. Yes, which is ridiculous. It is wrong. And another issue I have is that we have very few psychiatrists, and the estimation in Nigeria is that is a million patients to one psychiatrist. For example, Yaba, yeah, that that is literally what is like a yes. million patients to a psychiatrist. Yes. How do you have that time to? I know you have other psychiatrists in training that will be able to assist you and all that, but it still doesn't help with you know effectiveness yes and there is a strong issue when it comes to psychology, right yeah. because for example, at the neuropsychiatric hospital in Yaba, I don't know about other places. the psychologists are on rotation, yes, so mm. If you go for a therapy session with one psychologist yeah. now, you chances are you won't you, see the same person same next person. week. is another yes. person that there's, will be taking no up. There's
2: no continuity. No, there's, there's no, no continuity. There's no yeah, that's continuity. Very bad. And
0: they're always distracted. Like some of them, their phone will ring all through the session. They'll pick up the call. They'll be telling you sorry. And they'll try to figure out where they left off and try to pick up from there. And Is not just fulfilling, it's not effective. So these are some of the things. And there is no budget allocation for mental health. There is no mental, there is a mental health policy. So these are some of the things that needs to be looked into. And private practices are expensive, right? I know people that are charging 40K for a session.
1: There's a place on the island that is like, it's a private rehab. And I heard that to get in there, you need like one2 millionaire
0: is above me now (laughs) (laughs) it's it's above me now
1: and they don't really even give you what you need there it's just like a bed and breakfast away from home
0: all right let me just throw this to you (laughs) owen what would you say to someone who is going through it with their mental health and has refused to seek it because of the stigma and shame
2: that surrounds mental health I simply just say listen it's time for you to speak up it's time for you to say something you cannot keep suffering in silence because of what another man is going to say about your personal issue mm. Yo, if it, you know it gets to a point where we all have to take responsibility for our health we have to stop Bothering about what someone else would say about an issue that's killing us and eating us inside. You have to come out, you have to speak up, get the help you need, speak to the closest person to you, the person you feel comfortable speaking to, speak to that person, express yourself. If you're feeling any kind of way, you know, say it. And you do not know if that person is going to have access to a physician, a psychologist, someone who can help you. So, Always speak your mind. Say something. That's really important. It is okay
0: not to be okay, but... Healing is very possible. If you're going through to your mental health or you feel any symptoms or you have your own mental health experience and you need to talk to a mental health professional, kindly visit www.lpmfoundation.org, www.lpmfoundation.org. That is Love, Peace, and Mental Health Foundation. And someone there would be able to assist you and get you the help you need. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an insightful one, even for myself. We hope you learned a thing or to, don't forget always take care always stay above the fray my name is shay for me and i'm here with my guest co-host
1: big ma and owen
0: all right we'll see you next week that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do on this show, then please share with your friends, subscribe, and leave a review over on Jamit FM. That's all for now. But I'll see you in the next episode of No Judgments, hosted by me, Fumi, here on Jamit FM. No Judgments was produced by Ariola Ajayi, scripted by Shea Fumi. This episode was edited by Lanre Adeyema. This episode was mixed and mastered by Aiko Rizu. No Judgment podcast is a production of Jamit FM.